Ladies, gentlemen, fellow slaves of the Global Plantation, the Vinnie Eastwood show is bad news. It's like the news, but worse. It's the lighter side of genocide. Just because we're being exterminated doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. Otherwise, what's the point of being killed? The Vinnie Eastwood show. We're the only thing worse than living in a high-tech global police state run by child-trafficking Satanists. It's Vinny's jokes. Seriously, he's going to get hurt one of these days. And my very special guest joining me today is Josh Reeves. Josh, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Vinny, it's great to be with you, my friend. Cheers, brother. Now... Can you please, for those who uh, are unaware of your work and the uh, the long time that you've been doing it, can you give us a little bit of a background about who you are and what it is you do? Yeah, absolutely, mate. I'm uh, you know I'm just a long time researcher and just a guy who's been uh, you know looking at this stuff since he was nine years old. That's no joke. Literally, I got into this stuff when I was nine, and it set me on a path that uh, I'm still on today, and uh, I've now made 15 documentary films working on the 16th which will be out next week i'm just uh you know i'm just doing like you've done man just keeping going and just uh you know trying to shed some light on these i don't know what you want to call them you did a good job there in your intro <laughs> this you know global plantation owners i guess you could call them but uh you know i i've just been trying to uh, uh not only informed myself through the years but eventually got to the point where i was like you know i'm just not hearing a lot of the things that i know about on these subjects on a lot of you know conspiracy radio shows and stuff this is back in 2007 and uh, that's when i started my show the global reality back then and uh i've just been going ever since i've made my first film 9-11 new world rising in september of uh 2007 and i've just been going ever since man it's been a long road and uh i'm just uh glad to finally be here with you benny because you've uh you've been gone a long time too and you've uh, been trying to get me on for a long time and uh now we finally made it happen so i'm glad to be here you've been doing this just about as long as i have and in, in, in terms of uh publishing and broadcasting and and that kind of thing and what has changed for you personally over that period of time? Where where did you start, kind of, and, and where are you now? Wow. Well, when I first started, it was very different. The landscape, as you know, was very different back in those days as well. When I first started on air in 2007, I was very much in the 9-11 truth movement at that time. I had uh, actually started the 9-11 Truth Movement in Dallas, where I was born and raised, where I live now, and uh, in Dallas, Texas. And I uh, quickly, it was, you know, I was mentioned that 2007, September 2007, that was a really wild, thinking about this the other day, it's a very wild month for me, because in that month, I put out my first film, started my first radio show, I started this show that I still do now and um, found out about this group called the Council for National Policy, which became the subject of uh, my second and third film, The Secret Right Volume 1 and The Secret Right Volume 2. 
And um, over the course of these years, Vinny, as, as you know, uh, the whole landscape of this type of stuff has changed, uh, not only in terms of the perception of it by people, and uh, there are you know, loads more people that are aware of this type of stuff, but also just in terms of, of the deception that itself that we have been subjected to since then. That's really been the thing. I mean, everything, as you know, I don't have to tell you, I'm, I'm speaking to the choir here, but everything has, has ramped up and gone even beyond what I believed it to be at the time when I first started doing this. Um, because I'd been researching and stuff, obviously, for years. Like I said, in 1985, I saw this documentary called um, UFOs, What's Going On, on HBO. And it set me on the path that I am now, and I'm on now. And, and it, it, you know, it, the landscape has shifted so much from things where, you know, maybe there were things that I believed in or, or, or thought were to be true many years ago that I've shifted my perception on now, especially in terms of UFOs and all that, I have to tell you. Uh, but, uh, you know, like I said, everything's changed. It's really hard to to break it down to one thing, but just like I said, in terms of the changes that have occurred just since I started doing my radio show and whatnot, for years I was doing activism and stuff in the street before that, but I knew at some point I needed to start reaching a lot more people with my work. And so right about the time that I, you know, started to make that realization was right about the time we started to see the rise of YouTube and social media and all of these things. So the landscape began to change very rapidly right about the time that I started really trying to get out there and, and get my work out to a larger audience and, uh, now it's to the point where there's so many people that have been deceived on so many levels by so much of this stuff, even people who are, you know, so-called truth seekers and whatnot. So many people have been deceived and led astray now that my work has really shifted from just being something that's strictly about the information itself and really, in addition to that, about trying to keep people from being led down these paths astray and believing in a lot of this disinformation and various other things through the year. So that's something I never anticipated or expected to happen. If any, that it's really become a big part of my work is this thing of trying to keep people from being led astray by the disinformation and the lies and all that. It's a tough full-time job. I don't mind telling you. I'm not hearing you, Vinny. I don't know what we're having. Sorry, sorry. My, my bad. I was muted. Um, do you find that when these attacks happen in a general sense, you sort of take them personally? Like in, in relation to, say, for example, the demonetization era and the deplatforming era and now the misinformation and disinformation era – because you're directly involved in this industry and you're most directly affected by it, do these sort of collective uh, culture things affect you personally? No, actually they don't. They don't. I mean, really, they don't affect me personally at all because I just see them as really the the earmarks of, 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 of doing good work. You know, I mean, I was demonetized four or five years ago, even before all that stuff really started to take hold and became a major thing on YouTube. And I even, you know, appealed and, and they said, okay, yeah, you're right. There was no reason why we should have demonetized you. And then they uh, allowed me to be monetized again for like a month. And then they came back and demonetized me again. And it went all the way up to like the top of YouTube. I, I was trying to say, okay, Hey, just tell me what I've done wrong. Show me the policies that I've violated and I will fix that, I will correct that, whatever you want me to do. And, of course, as you know, they could never show me any violations or anything I'd done because there was nothing. They simply said, we just do not want to allow you to make money on our platform. And so I, I do not take it personally 
Vinny, because I, I really just see it as you know a byproduct of, of doing this kind of thing. Uh, no, I, I, I don't have any personal. I don't feel like it's personally against me. I think it's just an attack on truth and on information itself, not on me as a person, you understand? And what about the flip side when those attacks come from within our alleged own camp? Well, again, I... I, I I really don't. I, you know, I surprisingly am, am able to separate who I am as a person and what my mission is here on Earth, you know, to to do. I, can, I have a way to compartmentalize that in my head and separate that. I just see it as, you know, that's what you're going to, you're going to encounter that. You're going to, uh, you know, get flack when you're over the target. That's when that's going to happen. So, no, you know, to answer your question, no, I do not take that personally at all, Vinny, because I really just see it as, you know, hey, listen, if you're going to be in a war, you're going to take some shots. This is the way it is. And in terms of the information you're putting out, I imagine there's been some kind of uh, blowback to that in your personal life, as it has oh, to man. all of us, you know. We, uh, oh, man. You many... wouldn't believe it, Vinny. I mean, I... I can tell you some stories. Yeah, man, you wouldn't believe it. I've had all kinds of crazy stuff happen. I've had, uh, you know, Blackwater guys that were uh, costumed as fake state troopers show up and, and come, you know, knocking on my door and stuff. I mean, all kinds of wild stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've had, there's been some stuff, Vinny, that's so crazy and so outlandish that I almost hesitate to even bring it up because. It sounds like a legitimate crazy person to hear it out loud. Believe me, it does. But, I mean, I've had stuff like, you know, directed energy weapons and that kind of thing, uh, uh, you know, directed at me and stuff. I mean, yeah, there's been all manner of attacks that you can imagine. But, again, you know, I just sort of take that as, okay, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, it would probably be more suspect if I was getting nothing at all, because then I'd be like, okay, I obviously need to step it up here, step up my game a little bit, because uh, I know how real these attacks are, and I know how real and serious the powers that be take people who are attempting to, you know, remove the wool that's been pulled over people's eyes. And so, uh, I, again, I, I just take those things with stride, and, uh, you know, I don't let them deter my, you know, my, um, my drive and my push to keep doing whatever I can do. L listen, I got to be honest with you, Vinny. I have no illusions that anything that I've done or will ever do will change the world or affect anything in the world any significant way. Okay, I don't have any illusions about that at all. However, that does not mean that I'm not going to still try and still attempt in any way I can, because it's not about what one person does. It's about what all of us do that are going to truly, it's going to truly affect change in the long run. You know, one individual is, is not really important in the grand scheme of things, but a ton of individuals, me and you and another guy over there and another guy over here and all the other people, Eventually, that's going to cause the tide to turn because the tide does always indeed turn, Vinny, as you know. And I think that's what people, you know, who may be in that situation think, well, what can I do? You know, I'm just one person. What is anything that I do ever going to affect this truly global, maniacal world system that we're all, you know, ensconced in? And I, I say, look, you just got to do it. You can't worry about that. You can't worry about whether anything you do in life is going to have an effect. You just have to do your best, and uh, and at least at the end of the day, you'll be able to say you gave you know you gave your best try, no matter what. This whole concept of trying, regardless, uh, it was talking about creating, and those of us who are creators can't not create. Uh, because if we stop, then negative consequences come as a result. Do you think that's true? I think that's 100% true, Vinny. I think if you stop, it's, you know, you're, we're like sharks. And if we stop, we're dead. That's it. You know, again, not being attached to 
you know, the outcome of is what I do going to change things? Is it going to affect things on a big scale? It's a very important thing to take on. And I, I, again, I think it's very important to just do it because it has to be done. You know, like I said, I, I've made five going on six films just this year alone. It's the most, you know, this is the highest product, you know, productive time I've ever had. And I just don't want to stop. It's because uh, for so many years I was bogged down in the research effort of this film series called The Spellcasters. And I spent so many years working on it that I didn't make any films between 2017 and 2021. And I came up with three last year and I came up with five this year and have more on the way. And, and that's the thing, you know. I, again, I just feel this insatiable need to not stop and keep going regardless of if you know, one of my films only sells 40 copies or something. Whatever. I, you know, I don't care. That's not what I'm doing this for. I'm just doing it because it has to be done. And as you said, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a internal drive of something that you have to do, not something that you necessarily just want to do. You know what I mean? I'm not doing this. I believe me, the things I have to go through on a monthly basis, really just to do this, it's not something I would want to subject myself to, but in the end, I know that it's something that has to be done. And there's so few people out there that would choose to do this kind of work like yourself and, and like myself that, you know, somebody's got to do it and somebody's got to keep doing it and not give up because there's plenty of people giving up. There's not a lot of people that are soldiering on and keep going regardless, you know. You, you see people come and you see people go. And it's hard to not be critical of that, that people don't have the staying power and they don't have the commitment. What Mark Passio talked about was the elites and the Satanists and how many highly paid, highly skilled, uh, highly organized people they have under their command and then have a look at who we are and what we're doing and our resources that are fighting against them. You know, it's it's like a four-year-old getting in the ring with Muhammad Ali. They've <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at just the amount of high-level scientists that the Vatican employs alone, I mean, that is mind-boggling in, in and of itself. You know, they have resources that are unlimited in their reach and their scope. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, somebody like you and I, we do this on literal shoestring budgets. I don't think people get that sometimes that, you know, we don't have funding from multinational corporations or, or NGOs or something like this. You know, we're truly grassroots media that are trying to just, you know, again, do some kind of part. It doesn't matter that we're not individually going to change the world with what we do. It matters that we are part of a collective of people on the planet who are just trying to do something, anything, to you know, try and, again, remove that wool that's been pulled over people's eyes. What have your films done? I mean, in, in terms of what you've exposed and what new information you've uh, brought to the field, what, what, do you, what do you think that you've, uh, you've really contributed that's, that's unique specifically? Well, there, there's several things, really. I mean, one uh, one would be the films I mentioned before in 2009, 2011, that I came out with called The Secret Right, uh, which was uh, based on this group called the Council for National Policy, which is a secretive right-wing group here in America. And uh, they're, you know, when I first found out about this group, it was on the second show that I ever did. I had uh, former Canadian diplomat and author Peter Dale Scott on the show, and uh, we were talking about sort of some of the, you know, I don't know, kind of some of the milk toast regular sort of conspiracy stuff that was around that time, like, uh, you know, the, uh, um, oh, the Trilateral Commission and stuff like that. And he, as I'm talking about this, he says, you know, there's a group that was started in Dallas, and that really perked my ears up because I'd never heard this. And he said, they're actually, you know, more powerful than the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission. Now, I had never heard of this group. And he said they're called the Council for National Policy. And uh, I immediately started researching this group. 
and uh, after that, I got off air with him, and I started finding that there were all of these sort of people that I had heard on, like, the Alex Jones radio show and stuff that were involved with this group, and I, I remember getting this sickening feeling in the pit of my stomach going, oh, my God, we got sold another phony paradigm. I thought the truth movement was, you know, this real legitimate grassroots thing, and then it became uh, very apparent after my extensive research into this group that it was not because this group is connected to uh, things in the in uh, the UK, like the Royal Institute of International Affairs and uh, the Milner's Roundtable groups and all these groups. And I soon found that all these political uh, organizations and think tanks in America, like the Council on Foreign Relations on the left and the Council uh, the uh, Council for National Policy that is uh, more on the right, are all controlled and all the money that controls them funnels back to Central European bankers and whatnot. So there was a real big thing, and that now the Council for National Policy, the CMP as it's called for short, has become a part of the lexicon. It's become a part of the nomenclature of this type of, of research now where it wasn't before my work. So I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud that I was able to bring that into the fold, um, as well as the work that I've done with uh, Lost Secrets of Ancient America, which is another film series that I did that dealt with this thing that's here in my own backyard called the Rock Wall, this ancient, uh, you know, wall that's 432,000 years old, and the suppression that's gone on in that, and just the fact that I, I made the first film on the Council for National Policy, I made the first film on the Rock Wall. And then the uh, stuff that I did with the Spellcaster series, which is, uh, in my opinion, because I made it, but it really the most in-depth look. It's a four-film series now, and it's the most in-depth look into MKUltra and Scientology that has uh, uh, ever been put out. And I don't think that a lot of people knew before this film series, the Spellcasters that I made, that you know that L. Ron Hubbard was involved heavily with MK Ultra and black magic and that Scientology itself is based on uh, black magic and the whole Thetan thing is are really you know these like demonic entities that when you go through the different OT levels in Scientology each one successive level that you go through is actually allowing these entities these uh, demonic entities to, to take you over and then once you get to the highest levels you're pretty much basically just a controlled vessel of these entities, you know, so that research effort and bringing that out really, th those things are what I'm most proud of any, because they, you know, there were stuff that just was not out there before. I mean, my newest film that, that, that I uh, just put out called, uh, uh, climate of fear with that film, it was a completely different approach to say uh, the spellcaster series or something where, you know, a lot of people know about the club of Rome already. That's not something that, um, I was trying to do with this film series. Normally, like you said, I'm trying to bring out stuff that people don't know a lot about. I did not have that that intention with my newest film, Climate of Fear, The Club of Rome. My intention more with this film was to give people a weapon, a tool, something that they could use. It's a really short film. It's only like an hour. Something that they could use to wake people up to what is going on with the lies of climate change and really where that started from and all that so that they can you know hopefully bring new people into the fold and wake people up with this information so again it, it really varies from film to film for me as far as uh, what my intention is and like you said Vinny uh, very very astutely my intention usually is to bring out new information that people are not quite aware of but I did not have that that uh, intention with this film it was really just to give people something that they may not already have, that they can wake up friends and family and people with. They're maybe on the fence about this stuff, you know? Did you get uh, bored with the 24-hour news cycle, the the hype about stuff that you already know uh, bunches about, and then just go, okay, let's find out what people aren't talking about. Let's find out what people aren't interested in that is, actually is important. Kind of, but I don't, it wasn't really as calculated or as uh, 
uh, uh, geniuses you make it sound with the way you put it. No, it really, you know, it really was just something where I was thinking, trying to think of all the subjects that I have covered through the years and how, as you mentioned before, you know, from where I started in 2007 to where I've, you know, evolved to was very different. So this newest film that I made, Climbing to Fear, The Club of Rome, is really more of a back to my roots, you know, kind of an old school NWO expose type film, you know, that I hadn't done in quite some time. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to forget that when you're on the path of this and you're evolving and you're constantly learning new information and, uh, you know, putting all that stuff, it's, it's hard, you know, it's easy to forget sometimes that there are people who are new on this path and have not, you know, been into this stuff very long and they don't know everything that you know, or I know Vinny. So, uh, that was more of my intention was it wasn't so much boredom with the 24-hour news cycle as it was frustration with people continuing to buy into these, you know, phony dialectics and, and all of this stuff that they're fed through the news cycle, through the media, uh, specifically with climate change and stuff. And I kind of got tired of having to explain all this stuff to people so much that I said, you know what, I'm going to make a film on this. And then let the chips fall where they may. People can, you know, watch this and show it to others, and maybe it'll help, you know. I mean, one of the things that I show in this film is, you know, how the Club of Rome cooked up this thing in 1972, the Limits to Growth Report, which is really a, a blueprint for depopulation and, and, and eugenics and all of it, and, you know, climate change. stuff. And then in 1978, I show this in the film, in 1978, there we have this report that there's, a new, a new ice age coming. And then I show how in two years later, in 1980, there's Walter Cronkite on the CBS News talking about this new phenomenon. Two years after we're told a new ice age is coming, two years after that, we're being told about this new phenomenon called you know, global warming and, and greenhouse effect and all of this stuff and how rapidly everything shifted so quickly after we were told that the top scientists in the world say a new ice age is coming. And then all of a sudden we're told, no, everything's getting hotter now. So that was what I attempted to do with this film was to show people how this plan got cooked up and who, you know, who was involved in the creation of the club of Rome and what their agenda is and whatnot. And again, you know, it's some of the usual suspects people are already well familiar, familiar with like George Soros and, and uh, Bill Gates and whatnot, you know. So again, I wasn't attempting to to plant the flag at Plymouth Rock, so to speak, here with this information. It was not an attempt to try and bring anything people didn't already know to the table, but more an attempt to give people who are already aware of this stuff a weapon and something they can use to wake others up with. That was really my intent here. The Joe Dispenza, I think he was talking about learning as the creation of new synapse connections and repetition strengthening those connections. Now, uh, in effect, let's say you watch your film and you try to remember everything that's in it. It's very, very difficult. Let's say you watch it again and then you talk to somebody about it and then you try to explain all these different concepts. That's what actually creates memory, right? Absolutely. And and that memorable uh, uh, connection, I think, is what people are looking for. Like, how, how many Hollywood movies and things of that nature would people say that they've seen a number of times, like The Matrix and so forth, and so that they can actually remember what the story is about and what happens in it. Now, with the subject matter that we're talking about, uh, do you find it's not quite so entertaining and, and uh, not quite so easy to retain? Well, I really, really, Vinny, I've really made an effort, uh, specifically since my film, which came out in 2016, The Spellcasters Volume 1, really, that was my first attempt at really trying to make it not just vomitous and not just a regurgitation of information, which I feel like most of my films up to that point were, you know, I was really just vomiting out information and whether people could retain that information, as you said or not, I, I really didn't bother with that. So from 2016 on with all my films, I really have made that effort to 
try and uh, and make them entertaining. And one thing I also try to build into my films, Vinny, is the ability to watch them multiple times. I really, you know, I, I don't expect you when you watch one of my films to absorb everything there is to know immediately. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't entertain any false ideas about that, but I try to make them at least to where you'll watch it, maybe watch it once and go, you know what? I want to watch that again. Even if it's next week or a month from now or something, I try to at least build that into the films. I'm mean, I'm conscious of trying to build that into the films where I give people something they will want to watch multiple times. You know, that that's how music always was for me as well. You know, I always liked the albums that I didn't necessarily love the first time I heard them, but they became my favorite albums after repeated listenings and listening to them again and again. And that's something I consciously tried to build in the films. Indeed, and speaking of the music, we're heading off to break, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back with my special guest, Josh Reeves. You're listening to the Vinnie Eastwood Show on the Public Broadcasting Network. tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. Extendivite really works. Just listen to what some people have to say. Several years ago, I was developing a very uh, severe situation. I called it my flippy heart. It just was doing not good things. And I did not want to go to a medical doctor because uh, I just knew they would give me a cover-up pill. I didn't want to get onto that sort of thing at all. When I learned it was garlic and cayenne, and cayenne is a healer. It is a wonderful herb. I said, I think I'm on to something here. I'll tell you, I wouldn't be without it. It did wonderful things for me. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Call now. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. 
They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and various other mentally ill people who think that there's more than ladies and gentlemen, uh, to the Vinnie Eastwood Show, and my very special guest, uh, prolific filmmaker, especially of late, uh, uh, the wonderful Josh Rez. Josh, welcome back. Now, getting into the truth movement is uh, very, very difficult for some people and we talked about longevity and determination and i think is it your source of inspiration for me it is uh, to a large degree the guests that you have on the the people that you talk to those are the things that really encourage you to keep going I'm, i'm not sure if that's true for you but it is for me well, I'm, I'm glad that it is, Vinny, because, uh, like I said, you know, you've been doing this for a long time, man, and I'm just really glad that you're still out here doing it, to be honest with you, because um, you've been trying to get me on for well over 10 years, and, you know, we just now finally made this happen. So I'm really, really glad you're, you're still out here doing it, mate. I really am. I'm really happy that you've not quit and you've not succumbed to all the stuff that is easy to succumb to when you're doing this work, but... Uh, you know, I got to be honest with you, Vinny. I quit having guests on in the very, very early days of my show. Um, probably I didn't have anybody on past 2009. I've gone completely solo with no guests and uh, none of that since then. So for me, it, it really is just what else can I do? What else is there? And there's so much. And, you know, no matter how much you know, you'll never know it all. Those are the things that keep me going and keep me determined, keep me, you know, doing this work year in and year out is the fact that there will never be a point where I will ever be able to rest on my laurels and say, "Ah, yes, I know it all. Yes, let's let's go and show the world that I know it all. (laughs) That can never happen and will never happen. So for me, Vinny, the work itself is what drives me to continue um but uh, i do understand what you're what you're saying as far as the interaction with the guests and, and all of that stuff and in that being a motivation factor because it was very much that way for me in the earliest days and initially and since that kind of awakening you have been what autodidactic i i, I guess in a talk radio sense <laughs> yeah, just uh, I just really I, I do you know occasionally go on other shows and stuff, but uh, really it's just been me uh, talking to to uh, no one for the for many years and hoping people are, are listening. And you know I don't have a I've never had a huge following. I've never had uh, big numbers. I've never concerned myself with that either. You know I've just been always just putting my head down and concerned with the people that are listening and are watching my films and are supporting my work and not not uh, my work and not worrying about whether or not you know I, I, am I reaching a, a, a grand amount of people or anything else I've just like I said the most important thing to me above all is the work itself and so that's what I've continued to uh, put my nose to the grindstone and uh, 
and you just continue to focus on. Why is it that this motivation exists within you when it doesn't exist in others, do you think? I think, Vinny, because at some point I realized just, I know this is going to sound, uh, I don't know what you want to, <laughs> what adjective describes fruity or something, I don't know. At some point, uh, very early on, it became very apparent to me that this is what my purpose in life is. This is what I was put here to do for whatever reason, for whatever purpose, you know, this is what I was put here to do. And constantly I've had signs and I've had things through the years that have reinforced that to me that this is what I was put here to do. And, you know, frankly, a lot of people don't have that moment or they don't have anything in their life where that's, you know, affirmed to them to where they feel like they have a path or a purpose. And there's a lot of people that are going through life feeling like they have no purpose and they have nothing. But, you know, if people become educated and then they can use that education to hopefully try and uh, awaken people who aren't as educated, it, you know, it can give you that purpose. And for me, that's what it's done, Vinny, because, you know, I've had countless people. I mean, I can't even count thousands at this point who've told me that, you know, I, I was responsible for waking them up or they saw uh, one of my movies and it was the first movie they ever saw on that subject. And, you know, it got them to look into deeper stuff. You know, that's one of the things for me that keeps me going with it is because I know that as small and insignificant of an impact of what I do might have, that just the fact that it has some kind of impact is a reason to keep doing it for me. Have you ever been kind of frightened by some of the stuff that you've discovered having gone through that dark night of the soul? I mean, all the time. <laughs> I mean, all the time, Vinny. I mean, it's stuff still to this day that I come across. Yeah, I mean, it's just a constant thing. There is, There has been plenty of those moments, though, where I go, well, there's no turning back now. I mean, <laughs> we are... If you thought you were down the rabbit hole before, buddy, you had no idea how deep you're in it now. Yes, I mean, there has been those moments, you know, uh, like in, in two, was it 2015 when uh, British television flew a film crew to Dallas from England to film me for British television. And it was a complete and total hatchet job, of course. And they made, made it look like I said a bunch of stuff I didn't say. And, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, you just you keep going through that. You know, you, you expect that. I kind of expected that was going to happen. Uh, they, they, you know, they said I said a bunch of stuff I didn't say, and they never showed any proof that I ever said it. And uh, they said, Reeves, Mr. Reeves has, at this point, not shown any proof of his claims, you know, which was totally not true. But uh, I think it might even still be on Netflix right now. It was for a series called uh, The Hollywood Files. And it was on Scientology and and uh, all that stuff. And so I, you know, I, I like I said, there's been those moments. You know, I, I remember walking out of that hotel room where they filmed that interview, and I was laughing when I walked out of there. Then he was going, "Listen, if they air that, if they air everything I said uncut. It's going to be the greatest thing that's ever been on television ever." And of course, once the final product came out, it was a complete hatchet job and only a few seconds of what I actually said in the interview were ever aired, you know, but, uh, it, it is, it, it's one of those things where sometimes you need those things to happen to remind you that, look, buddy, this is real and you're in this and this is not a game and this is not for, you know, fun and giggles. And this is really a war that you're a soldier in, you know? And yeah, it does. There are those moments of anywhere, you know, you may, if you may have gotten complacent in your role in this, uh, they come back and remind you, hey, hey, this is real. Wake up. They slap you across the face. And, you know, and you get that reminder that this is for keeps. This kind of uh, mentality, it's very, very lacking in society now. There's uh, been a, a lot of things that have happened to deride 
masculinity or motivation risk taking in particular i think people are particularly adverse the word safe gets used far too often in my opinion the safer you are for the longer period of time the weaker you are and the less uh, capable you are of dealing with unsafe situations when they do inevitably happen and this societal weakness i think one might call it is a degradation of the whole of mankind's spirit because to look at it very in a concentrated manner so to speak can be very discouraging for those of us who don't share that mentality i could agree more have you seen uh um a lot of really discouraging things <laughs> like, like well, what was probably one of the most discouraging things you've seen in like the last few years uh in terms of of the world or in terms of um uh the the the, the truth movement or the research community or what, what really what specifically Benny? all three. Oh, okay um well uh that's a tough one i i have seen a lot of what you what you mentioned with the attack on masculinity and, and, and whatnot. And for me, that's just been... Now, a lot of people are not going to like this, but I don't care. It's just facts. You know, that sort of attack on masculinity that you mentioned, Vinny, has just made me double down. It's just, you know, it's just made me feel like, I, you know, I want to be more masculine. If we're under attack for that, that just makes me want to redouble my efforts and 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 show and not be complacent and not just go along to get along and and i think that's really in in all elements of life then you've been the most disheartening thing i've seen over the last few years obviously with covid and all of that crap you know has just been how people have willfully given over to complacency and 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 going along to get along and and all of this stuff, and, and, and just, you know, do what you're told, put your head down, don't make waves, that kind of thing. I, I've just never been that way. It's not in my spirit or my genetic makeup to be that way. I come from a long line of fighters, you know. I come from people who, who have fought for freedom, you know, and fought for these kind of things for centuries. So it's just impossible for me to go along What's, what's going on in society in terms of this, as you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the demasculinization, and uh, which I think is a very, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a very PG way of putting it, you know, uh, but we're on radio here, so we can't really say, but, you know, I, I think that that kind of thing, to see what men have been reduced to and the, the, the idea of what a man is has been reduced to, over the last decade or so has been one of those things where, you know, you just kind of have to ignore it and continue to do what you, what you do. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, and uh, you've probably noticed this as well, Vinny, but you know, for all the things we've heard about toxic masculinity and all of this, you know, garbage, it's funny that when I actually do talk to actual real women in real life now what i find is that women these days are actually dying for a little toxic masculinity now because they've been fed these sort of beta males you know through media and through culture and all the rest of it for so long now that a lot of women are actually sick and tired of it and, and they for lack of a better term they want a little toxic masculinity they want somebody who acts like a traditional male acts like even though we're told that that's wrong and that's bad and that's terrible and everything but really when you talk to people in the real world it's quite an opposite uh, belief than the one that we're sold through you know media and television and the rest of it of course as it always is and who have your inspirations been to kick things off in, in your life? Are there any uh, particular individuals that you followed, listened to their radio shows, read their books kind of thing? Well, back in the day, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, back in the day, it was, like I mentioned before, this HBO documentary that I saw 
1985 called uh, What's Going On. That was what kicked me off. And then uh, I was only nine years old at the time. And then in the 90s, as I grew into a teenager, uh, the first book I ever read on these subjects was uh, the book Crossfire by Jim Mars, which was uh, the basis for the Oliver Stone film JFK. That was a big one for me being from Dallas and stuff because, you know, as a kid growing up in Dallas, I did not even know about the Kennedy assassination or know anything about it that it happened in Dallas or, or anything until I was 13 years old, Vinny, because people in Dallas just did not talk about it in those days. It was considered impolite to talk about and discuss. And when I found that out, and heard that as a teenager, it just made me that much more interested. In it. it just made me want to get into it more. And uh, and then you know some years passed, and and then I read uh, Bill Cooper's book, uh, Behold, a, Behold a Pale Horse, and um, I discuss this in a film that I'm working on right now. I'm working on a film uh, called Aliens or Nah: The Guide to the Fake Alien Invasion. That's the film I'm currently working on. I hope to have it out in the next week or so. And uh, I, I was sort of revisiting, as you said, some of these older influences and thinking about my days when I started. And when I read uh, Bill Cooper's book, Behold a, a Pebble Horse, it really, for me, was the first time when I realized that it's okay to have a belief about something and then shift that belief and have that belief change, just as Bill Cooper did, where he was an ardent believer in UFOs and aliens and that whole thing and then he had a consciousness shift and shifted his perception and his you know his belief away from that later to where it was quite the opposite and quite different from what his initial belief was so that was very inspiring to me as you know a teenager and a, you know guy in his early 20s and stuff in the 90s to to you know to have that influence to go look you can learn and grow and evolve and just because you believe something for X amount of years doesn't mean you can't change that belief and, and bring it into something new and evolve and grow. And so that's been something that I've always tried to do, Vinny, is never stay static in any belief that I have and always be movable and changeable on any subject because, again, nobody knows it all. No one can ever know it all. And, and again, that's part of the motivation for me that keeps me going is the fact that that you know you can't ever know it all, so why not just try to learn and know as much as you can while you're here? And, and in my case, try to pass that on to other people who may be in a similar, uh, you know, state of trying to seek truth and trying to find that. And the problems that I see is that everybody is on a different level as far as uh, the, the where they're at in the stages of. Of, of learning this stuff and absorbing it and becoming knowledgeable about it. So oftentimes the arguments that I see are not arguments where one person's wrong and one person's right, but more that the one person is on a level of understanding that's completely different than another person. And so, you know, understanding that, that we're all just here and we're all just trying to find the truth and that it's okay to be on a different level than someone else is on that. That was a huge thing that I had to learn over the course of doing this. So, you know, uh, through the years for me, the, uh, you, you know, getting back to your original question of who were my influences and, and inspirations, I think my inspirations and influences early on were very much the same as a lot of people, but eventually as I became involved and in, in, in active participant in this stuff myself, really uh, the biggest influence for me has, again, just been the work itself. And uh, kind of trying to constantly um, bring out new information and bring new stuff to the fold. And, and just, again, add something to the nomenclature. Add something to the conversation. Because that's really, I think, in my opinion, all we can, any of us can do is just do our best to contribute something. And that really, at the end of the day, Vinny, is my goal. And what I'm trying to do with my work and my films and everything is I'm just trying to contribute something. And hopefully... It contributes to the greater overall uh, discussion that we have and the pool of information that we can draw on to attempt to bring humanity out of this cesspool that we're currently in. 
the 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 pool of information the bathtub if you will because on this show we like to make sure that that uh you get a plug in so if you have any websites and and uh, uh wares to to flog on the audience brother please uh, be my uh, guest really i appreciate that so much man because it's it, it, getting in conversation with that gosh i wonder we, we, you and i have put off this conversation for so long it's easy to get bogged down in that but really people just go to my youtube channel which is uh Josh Reeves, the Global Reality Channel on on YouTube. Uh, everything there they can find as far as my work, and they can find links to it. If they want to find my download store to get all of my audiobooks and films and presentations and everything, they can go to, to a search engine and just type Josh Reeves download store, payloads.com. It's P-A-Y-L-O-A-D-Z.com. But if you just put Josh Reeves download store, uh, a link for one of my items should come up and then you can go and find the download store from there but uh my youtube channel is really the portal to find um links to all of my stuff and uh all, all of my um work is there there people can buy it and whatnot so thank you Vinny, for the moment to plug that i appreciate it and i'm not sure if you've heard this question before but uh when's your book coming out <laughs> uh, I, I that's a good question because uh, i've never put out a book before and uh, I never really planned on doing one before. I, I, although I, had, I did think of this new film that I'm working on right now on the fake alien invasion thing. I was thinking about turning it into a book because it's actually been uh, the, in my opinion, it's the best writing that I've ever done. And it's just one of those things I've just continued to stay on. I, I found that through the years of making films, that in between films was the worst time for me because my skills would diminish during that time, and I sort of had to work very hard to get back to where they were at before. And, you know, I, I don't know if people know this or not, but I do every element and every aspect of my film, from the research to the writing to the editing to even the composition and scoring of the music itself. All the music is all original music that I not only score, but play as well. I, you know, I play five instruments and whatnot. So I uh, there's always a lot of... Uh, stuff that goes into making a film, but it all begins with the writing. The writing is the most important. And everything, once you get the writing done, everything else is easy after that. But uh, I have thought about doing a book uh, eventually, Vinny, but right now, at this point, there are no plans for one. But but you're right, and thank you for reinforcing that idea in me. It is something that I do need to do. Yeah. There's so many of us in the truth movement who have been in it for a very long time who either are thinking about it, have done it, or probably should be thinking about it, or probably should have done it already. And I'm I'm definitely one of those people as well. Josh, it's been lovely uh, speaking to you, very encouraging. You know, uh, the word encourage means to give courage to others. And anytime you see anybody doing something that's totally their own, and they're just making it in their own way, it can give others the courage to do it as well. We lead by example. And that's why I'd like people to go to com today, ladies and gentlemen, and click on the latest uh, tab there and click it, check out all the new shows. And thank you very much for next week ladies and gentlemen and uh, I'm just going to check my calendar here because I believe and I did the calculations in my head that we are going to have September the 11th 2023 uh, well New Zealand September 11th anyway live on the Vinnie Eastwood show so we're going to do a special broadcast for that uh, with a whole bunch of uh, 9-11 stalwarts that I've had on the show over the last decade or two so thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again sometime at the VinnieEastwoodShow.com Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. 
Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth.